0: Welcome back to the Dudes of Davey. We've been on a little hiatus, and I think we're coming back strong with a great episode. This episode, just to warn you, is baseball. The whole thing's baseball. And we're going to make you remember why baseball's cool. We, we did a baseball podcast a little while back, and it was really just the two of us talking and you know, just going through as, as, as baseball bystanders, watching the game. We actually have an expert here today. We have somebody who played the game very competitively. He was a Palm Beach County All-Star legend uh, baseball player, played collegiate baseball, and you can follow him as he he will help you with your fantasy baseball as well. Uh, we're going to welcome here Alex Godshaw, known as Cousin Al. Welcome, Alex. Thank you. Happy to be here, guys. All right. So... I think the way we want to start this out is talk to Alex a little bit about his experiences as a as a competitive baseball player. Uh, you do not want to hear about me me and my colleagues' baseball history at all. This is all about Alex. So, Alex, how did you? What drew you to the game of baseball as a kid?
1: Funny story. Let's good start. Uh, when I was five years old, my dad thought I was too much of a nerd. Mm-hmm. So I played one season of soccer and one season of baseball, and he told me, choose which sport you'd like to specialize in. I didn't like to run at the time, so baseball was the default choice. And so, yeah, age five, T-ball was my first year, and that was the only sport I played after that.
0: And then what kept you so interested in playing the game? Like what, what drove you to become, let's call it extraordinary?
1: You know, I think it was at some point, uh, you get good. Mm-hmm. And I started playing travel baseball, and I was on a pretty good team. And, uh, you know, you win a couple of tournaments, it just gets addicting. Uh, and just one, le- one thing leads to another, you know, and um, it's fun, you know.
2: Do you, do you think if you had not won those tournaments, your love of the game would have been different then?
1: It's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Or if I would have been a benchwarmer on those teams, I probably wouldn't have loved baseball either. But, yeah, it's just luck of the draw. And I played with some awesome players. And, um, yeah, it's a good time.
2: Yeah, no, I say that just because I I have a friend whose son just recently went uh, an undefeated season. And they got the big trophies. And it was just so memorable. And my friend was the assistant coach. And his love of baseball right now got ratcheted up big time. And so... I think when you are five and you pick a sport and then you start to win and you have good and you're starting, I think all those variables come together and they sort of drive you down the path of you know this is where I want to dedicate my time to.
0: Yeah. In terms of your progression in baseball, and you still love baseball, correct? Still do. See, there are people who still love baseball. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, you look at baseball through a different lens than, you know, just people who watch the game. Look, we all we all grew up with it. I feel like it was a little different in our generation watching it. And baseball's trying to do a lot of things these days to um, ratchet up the attention and and get people more interested in, you know, sticking with a, a full baseball game. Do you think that let me ask you, what do you think are the drivers that has actually changed the perception of baseball
1: I think that the pace of the game is just frustratingly slow mm-hmm. and uh, so that would be point number one point number two is that everybody's trained to be more max effort these days I mean you can measure everything from spin rates to exit velocity you name it and so with that people are being trained to give themselves a longer time period before a pitch or before a swing, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And so that kind of lengthens the game a little bit too much. On top of that, people are taking more pitches, there's more walks, there's more Mm -hmm. strikeouts because people, turns out that it doesn't hurt to have a swing and a miss on an 0 and 1 count. And so I think it's, in short, the pace of the game is slow, and the three true outcomes thing that you hear of—either mm-hmm. a walk, a strikeout, or a home run—is right. um, is what has done the game in recently. But at the same time, football and basketball have just become that much more exciting these days, and so it's—you know—I think it's a combination of the two.
2: I'm curious. Something you just said was super interesting because having watched baseball my whole life, right? And if you were to look at the history of the games and the longest games, the 14-inning affairs, the 17-inning affairs, etc., the playoffs between the Red Sox and the Yankees almost feel like it was the tipping point for when these games became marathons because nine-inning games were becoming four to five hours. So I'm curious, in your opinion, having watched and tracked and you play fantasy baseball and you're a former baseball player, you know, When do you feel like there was the tipping point? And and now, you know, as you see these games now, you know, them changing the rules, them baseball looking to actively shorten the game, you know, when do you think that sort of, you know, took place?
1: I think it was after the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry because that was such an exciting time. I mean, that was some of the best baseball I've ever seen, um, period. So, yeah, at some point after that, I guess you could say, as the uh, Yankees-Red Sox rivalry kind of died down a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say that's when, you know, it happened over time. You know, there wasn't a point where you could say baseball just started sucking. I think it's just been, ever since then, sort of declining in value
0: every year. Right. I mean, I think we made the argument that it's it's really just, you know, you have information so quickly. People's attention spans are just, you know, you can't keep people's attention you know, that long. In football, there's always action. Basketball, there's always scoring. Um, but it's interesting, like, even some sports like soccer, right? Maybe there's not that much scoring. But people are, like, into that way more than baseball. So it, it, I don't think it's the actual scoring. I think it's just more action um, and and just more action that actually intrigues you. That's right. Because, it, yeah. it, it, look, baseball is a thinking game, right? And, I look, I don't want to, like, say that, like, We've become dumbed down, but it really is. Like, if you, if, like, I'm not watching baseball as much, but the Phillies, you know, went to the World Series this year. So I'm watching these games and I'm thinking about the strategy and going through, but it's not like that exciting to somebody who's like not like totally into it. Whereas, like, look, you can watch a basketball game last night and Steph Curry scores 19 points in six and a half minutes. That's exciting, right? So baseball's done a few things, and I kind of want your take on, you know, what, what parts of that you think has will make a difference based on certain things you're seeing maybe in preseason?
1: I think the biggest rule change this year, I'm a huge fan of the rule changes mm. in general. Okay. Um, because it's obvious that baseball needs to make changes to appeal to a younger generation of fans. The biggest rule change by far that's going to make a difference is the rule that a pitcher cannot disengage the rubber more than twice in an at-bat it totally changes the game for base runners. There's going to be a, so many more stolen base attempts and successful stolen base attempts at that, and that's one of the most exciting plays, I think, to watch, whether you're, whether you're on TV or in person. For either sure.
2: Way. I think it's a great point. I mean, the first thing I think about is Ricky Henderson. 100%. I, mean, I, was I, mean, just I grew up watching Ricky Henderson, and when he would swipe 40, 50, 60, 70 in a season, first of all, it would change your attention while you're watching the game because something was happening other than the pitcher and the hitter, like, going through this, like, dance of who's going to take more time.
0: Right. I, I mean, I think back to the players that come to my mind as a kid, were like Ricky Henderson, in terms of just stolen bases and home runs. Like, that's exciting, right? Um, but when there's, like, this strategy, and look, at, look, that's part of the game, the strategy where it's, like, this unspoken strategy between the pitcher and the catcher and the hitter and somebody's, you know going out of the box and, you know, doing whatever. I get it what's going on, but it, it doesn't translate. So what, what other things do you see from the rule changes that have, um, you think, will help?
1: I mean, just the pitch clock, I think, is helpful. I will say that I went to a spring training game this year, and I felt somewhat overwhelmed with the pace of play. Like, as an in-person observer... I watch baseball differently than most people do, to be fair. Well, I watch it, which is different than most people. Right, <laughs> right. Um, g- but g- good start. Good, yeah. I, I will say that I was wa- you, you watch the game, you put yourself in the position of the batter who's in the box or the pitcher that's on the mound, and I'm, I'm looking at the clock a little stressed out for these guys going, I don't know how I'm going to choose what I want to throw or how I can process the last swing of the hitter. Well, the same with the pitcher or the same with the hitter. You know, like, what did that guy just throw me? What do I expect to see next time? What do I need to sit on or look for? You know, it's just, there's a lot going through your head. And when it's in 15 or 20 seconds of time, it goes by really, really quickly. And Mm. so it's, I think it's going to be a substantially different game. I really do.
2: So the average game last year was three hours and three minutes. The average spring training game so far has been about two hours and 33 minutes. So it appears that they've shaved 30 minutes off of a game, which to me sounds like uh, almost unbelievable.
1: It is okay, a spring training game I think is typically longer than a regular season game because there's more pitching changes. So I mean th- Right. I would I would expect a regular season game to be even faster because you're going to see guys go 6 7 innings into the game there's going to be there's going to be less mid inning pitching changes in the early innings of the game.
2: That makes sense.
0: And look, as 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 fathers, Alex, you're you're a new father, Mazutoff. Thank you. Um, you know, when we take our kids to games, right? We think to ourselves, how long is this game going to be? Right? Like baseball could be forever, and like we want to make sure that their attention span is there. I think that will really help get kids more interested in watching these games, be excited to go to the games. They're not just going to be going. You know, I mean, obviously the food, the concessions is important, but I think. If you if parents know that the game is going to be most likely two and a half hours instead of three hours and you know fifteen minutes, that makes a difference. It it absolutely does. So I think that will help. Um, in terms of you know where the game is now, and the and look, we've talked about like the different sports and how the marketing in the sports matters too. Do you think what do you think baseball could do differently? From a marketing standpoint, because clearly the NFL is and the NBA are doing unbelievable jobs. Um, They like own days of the week. The NFL. Uh, What do you think baseball could do in terms? Like, do you think they need to like really market their players better?
1: Uh, So I don't know the technicalities, but I know that MLB Advanced Media owns the actual content. Like, if you want to watch a video highlight of a game, it's it's licensed by MLB Advanced Media, and so you see a lot less highlights on social media than you do for the NBA or the NFL. It's a instance. really
2: interesting point.
1: Um, and so I think that right there kind of shows you that baseball is still a little old school in terms of the mentality of the league. Right. To be fair, it's a very old league. So you'd expect that. But I think that for sure. Otherwise it's a cultural thing for me. There's two sides of this cultural war in baseball where it's like, you know, there are the guys who are flipping bats and taunting pitchers. And then there's the let's, you know, let's save that. The, let's honor the tradition of our game, respect <laughs> the game, not show up our opponents, et cetera. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of bat flips and taunting because, you know, if, if you're bold enough to do it. And then back it up on the next at bat. Uh, good for you. Go for it. That I think that's a lot more entertaining. It's like a touchdown dance. Yeah. You know, like that's I a, appreciate that. That's but a that's tremendous not, that's point. But that's not something that MLB controls. You know, like if I if I were running Major League Baseball, I would probably police the uh the the situation where someone shows you up and then you throw at him the next time, I think I would police that a little less because that's entertaining in, in and of itself too. And if you're bold enough to put a runner on base, go f- to prove a point, go for it. So, I, I mean, I don't know. But that's cultural. That's not... R-
2: no, I think some of those points are really... Great points. I mean, they're really interesting because it ties right into who is the commissioner, <laughs> who, who are the owners, and what is the profile right now of the average audience member... And the average audience member is 55 and white. That is the profile of the average baseball fan, and that generation is starting to sunset. And so, my generation, a little bit you know below that, your generation, well below ours, really needs to be the generation, in my opinion, that needs to lead the game into the next you know into the next level, right? You know whether it's you know adapting, whether it's morphing into whatever it is. So I think when you look at and we could have some people on right now that would vehemently disagree. I mean, they would be like cursing at us, telling us that we're we're spoiling the game, we're ruining what the traditions were. But I, I don't I don't think if you don't if you don't evolve as a game, given the way that the world's evolving, you're not you're not going to have a chance to be the sport that you once were, or be maybe be in a sport that you've never you don't even know if you could be it. Right.
0: That that's a great point in terms of evolving while keeping the principles of the game intact. Right. Like that. That's the balance. It's it's hard to do that. But, yeah, I mean, I hear you. Like, look, you don't want, like, such blatant taunting, right? Like, the NFL even was like, look, we got, we got to rein this in, like, a little bit. Which but, I disagree with. Right. I, I agree with you, too. But, look, this is entertainment. This is entertainment. Like, come yes. on. Like, at the end of the day, like, that's what this is. So, look, you have to play it to where you got to you know skate to where the puck's gonna be like i look we went to a hockey game the other night and it's like they're they're fighting and the referees are like kind of watching making sure but they're still letting them fight right they're not fighting like they did in the 80s and the 70s but they're still keeping that part of the game and and i think that that was something that drew people to the game at different points in time as well so like yeah like let somebody flip a bat yeah and then then they have to face the music next time they go up it's like that that's a drama within the, the game. Like you, that?
2: you want that. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want. I mean, that's what's gonna keep the eyeballs on the screens, and that's what's to keep the clicker from going to the next sport or to the next channel, in my opinion.
1: I, I would guess that two of the most watched baseball replays in history are instances of taunting. So you've got the Jose Bautista oh, yeah. walk-off yeah. home run, which was the most epic bat flip I've ever seen in the Rogers Center. That was yeah. awesome. And in in i think it was a wild card yeah series yeah yeah uh pandemonium yeah and amazing to watch the second one for me and this one is is gonna piss you off excellent stefan, was manny walk off home run against uh francisco rodriguez in the division series um at home in fenway over the monster and it was an absolute bomb and turned me into a manny ramirez fan that
0: stefan night. just left the pod he's done Listen, of the day.
2: listen I, I I smoked two packs of cigarettes during that game, so <laughs> you know, thank God I stopped smoking. The <laughs>
1: Angels, really?
2: Yeah, man, I I I'll, I'll root against the Red Sox every chance I physically can.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. um, you forgot about the 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 Phillies one. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Re- oh, Reese Rice. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Harper with the Oh no, Harper's was insane. But remember when he just took the bat and just slammed it down? That was awesome. That was awesome. I heard several people talking about that the next day.
1: Was that like his only hit of the World Series too? And you know what? He was bold enough to do it and it didn't work out for him.
0: That was his only hit, yeah. I think that was like the only like real meaningful. I only know that because I
1: owned him in fantasy baseball this year and he was incredibly frustrating to own, but
0: Anyway. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely true. Um, we've had Vince on the pod. I, <laughs> we, could, we could circle back to him. I actually watched a game with him, and he was losing his mind over him. So, yeah.
1: I thought that was Castellanos.
0: Well, you know, he, well, he, Castellanos, too. There's, okay. there's a handful. He, he's one of those special people who will lose it on everyone on the team, um, even though they're in the World Series. Like That's, I, a, that's a special Philadelphia I, fan. I respect that a lot. Yeah. I, I do,
2: really do, too.
1: I think Philadelphia sports fans are some of the best. Yeah, so. yeah so he's Respect. A, Castellanos, South Florida guy by the way. He is he went to American Heritage. I probably played against him but I don't remember playing against him. He's younger than me. Yeah.
0: but that's, you know, that's something good transition. I think that's something that I wanted to talk to you about as well was who are some of the pro players that you've played against you know in, in their earlier years. And and what's your take on some of them?
1: So the two that come to mind were just incredible players and travel and are still i think really good players today so the first is eric Hosmer. Mm -hmm. so he and i are the same age uh he went to american heritage down here and uh when i played against him we were 12 13 years old he was playing for the cooper city all-star team okay he was a short fat kid who wore his hat on the top of his head you know like didn't pull his hat all the way down it was kind of frustrating like who is this arrogant kid (laughs) He not only hit, but he was actually a better pitcher than he was a hitter, um, and he was the reason why that team was so good. Um, and obviously, he is not short and fat anymore. He's like six four and like a perfect body type for a first baseman. Yep. But you know, I just had nothing but respect for him playing against him. He's just a very good baseball player.
0: What, what do you see, like as a kid, right? Like, what are some of the things that you see that you're just like that's different?
1: I see a lot of it on defense okay. honestly. Yeah, I mean, and he's just he's different defensively as a first baseman. His range and the the saves that he makes for his infielders picking the ball or coming up mm-hmm. high for the ball. You know, that's stuff that you typically don't notice and he also just puts together good at bats that he they're productive at bats that may not be Counting for your batting average or creating an RBI, but you can tell that he has an idea at the plate. Unlike your guy Castellanos last year, he didn't have much of an idea at the no, plate. No, and us. Castellanos may have had better WAR, as they say, but Hosmer, you know, is a was a smarter baseball player and probably had better at bats right, right on right, the right. whole than he did. The other guy was Yasmani Grandal, who is the catcher for the White Sox, mm-hmm. or was the catcher for the White Sox, um, and he was like also an incredible player because he's a switch-hitting catcher who's a great body type, too. So you're like, okay. Right. Yeah, this guy's obviously going to go places. Um, he went to the University of Miami, and then he got drafted out of there. He was another guy who I played against him in high school. And you, when he, his team came to our, our field, there were so many scouts watching him take batting practice, around the batting cage before the game that you couldn't see him hit.
2: And this was, how old was he? 17. Wow. You, you,
1: there was no daylight in between the scouts that were lined up around the wow. double batting cage watching this guy hit. And so, of course, I w- we all walked over because we we're like, we, we got to see this, right? So um, And the, in the meanwhile, he's yelling at his coach who's throwing inaccurate BP batting practice. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, was a turnoff. Don't know the guy. But watching that, you're going, like, please, as a 17- or 18-year-old, don't show up your coach, an adult, who's throwing batting practice in front of 35 scouts.
2: Yeah, that's not a great early indicator. No. No.
1: So those are two guys that come to mind that are really good baseball players.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. And then along the way, so you play baseball at Columbia. What, what was that experience like?
1: Not great. You know, <laughs> your first day uh, of team practice mm-hmm. is February 1st. Oh, yeah, that's cold. Uh So that was when we were able to, able to, in air quotes, go outside and play on the field together. Before that, you could only do individual group stuff, which is mostly indoors. Mm-hmm. So your first day of practice is on February 1st, and it usually feels like 20-something. And uh, that's just not, fun nor uh what baseball was invented to be played at 20 degree weather you don't want to take a swing uh because if you get jammed it's gonna hurt uh so i that's why i became such a good bunter in college because i just preferred to bunt over (laughs) 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 over getting jammed on an inside fastball from our left-handed throwing coach who just loved to dominate our hitters um anyway it it uh and to top it off, the, if you watch college baseball these days, SEC baseball
2: is just... Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it, like, ma- it's like Major League.
1: It's, it's, it is like Major League, and they have better fan bases than pretty much any minor league team mm-hmm. out there, period. They play Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. So you throw your best guy on Friday night, and you see the two aces go off against each other on a Friday night for an in-conference matchup and and saturday and sunday are like you know just as exciting day games everybody's coming out and drinking and tailgating before the game and all that kind of stuff it's incredible the ivy league's not like that i'll just tell you <laughs> you play two double headers saturday sunday cuz you don't want to play on a school day no. right 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 so you you we played uh, a 9 inning game and a 7 inning game on saturday and a 9 inning game and a 7 inning game on sunday And it's just not fun when you got to get back on Sunday night and go to class the next day.
0: Right. That's not Um, fun at all. Would
2: you practice every day?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, Monday is usually your off day. but
2: uh, And then you're back at it Tuesday to Sunday. You're
1: back at it Tuesday. It's like an early morning lift. You're up at 6.
2: I mean, the commitment is significant. So, I mean, you obviously have to pass on a lot of other things in order to want to be a member of the team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you sacrificed GPA for sure to be an athlete. There,
2: I wasn't even thinking GPA. I mean, sure GPA. I'm talking about just general life, like oh, friends and God, you yeah. know family events and all that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would mean, it's a it's a, it's a commitment. But at, I mean, at that point, I've been making my that commitment my whole life. It didn't feel too much different.
0: L- looking back, like, would you trade it at all? Are no. You, I, you're. It's 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 a. It's a, it's a Magical experience, right? To be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think by that point I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. Right. I had made the decision that I didn't even want to hope for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was committing to my career as any like reasonable person in that scenario would right. do. Many of my teammates didn't do. Um, but yeah, at that point it's fun because I know I'm done. Right. That's right. it. Right. Right. You know, that's a good point. But leading up to that, it's you know, it's competitive and a grind and. Um, Competitive, when I say competitive, I mean within a team. You're battling for a starting position and constantly jockeying with your teammates who are your friends for playing time. Mm -hmm. And unless you're, you know, one of the three or four best players on the team, nobody's safe. Right. Uh, And so it's stressful. It's taxing. Did Um, any of
2: your teammates make it to the major leagues?
1: At Columbia. Yeah. No, not in the major leagues. A couple of guys got drafted okay. um but nobody made it to the major leagues
0: one one thing I wanted to touch on, and then we have we have we have some broader major league topics, but look your i think your history in the game of baseball is very interesting um you did start out playing SEC baseball, correct?
1: Uh, close, okay. uh, close. It's Samford University, which okay. is in Alabama, okay. which is in the Southern Conference, the okay. SoCon. Okay. Uh, but we did play SEC teams in okay. the middle of the week. Okay. Um, close. I, d- I did play at uh, SEC in Tuscaloosa. I did play against Auburn, and yeah, but close enough.
0: And and can you tell our audience like some of the things that you noticed playing in some of those games? I think you mentioned that some of those games made you make some different decisions on what your baseball trajectory was going to be. Feel free to share whatever you'd like.
1: There was a moment.
0: Yeah. There was a moment. That's what I'm getting at.
1: When I was uh, sitting in the dugout uh, when we were playing Alabama, University of Alabama, on like a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had already taken batting practice and we're watching the we're watching the tide take batting practice and you're watching these kids and you're like every single one of these kids is like six foot jacked and hitting bombs in batting practice. You're like, are there scouts here? I feel like there should be people watching, right? You know, it's like a show really as a baseball fan, I'm watching these kids hit and going, Oh my God, the ball is jumping off of their bat and I've been playing my whole life and I don't, that doesn't happen with me. Uh, could be because I'm 5'8", 160 soaking wet. Right. Actually, 160 now thanks to my seven-month-old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, 150. Okay. Um, but, yeah, there was a moment when I realized, like, this is a bad bet. I- I've got to change my priorities. Um, and so that was uh, uh, what an incredible game because there's a, ki- there's a guy named Matt Bentley. I'll never forget this. Big left-handed hitter for the Tide. They kicked our ass that night, Mm -hmm. which was not a surprise. He hit two homers that night. The the second homer, I believe, he went deep. And there's a pretty good crowd there for a Wednesday night. He went deep, and as he's circling the bases, he, he gets to third base, and he points up to a section of the crowd like like a big leaguer points up to a section of the crowd like he's got a he's got a contingent there who's watching him, and I'm like that is the most big league move I think I've ever seen. Wow! And this is SEC baseball right here. Wow! I'm sitting I'm in center field at the time I played middle infield most of my life, but I'm in center field going, wow! I think I want to ask for this guy's autograph <laughs> after the game. <laughs> he's I mean that what a move unbelievable.
0: That's amazing. So look you, look your experiences are are really really interesting. Um, So I think next what we're going to do is talk about a couple of high-level subjects around the history of baseball because it all, look, it all ties together into where baseball is today and what the history is. And again, you look at it from a totally different lens than we do. Right, as, as fans, you play the game, and you're watching, and you're looking at different things than, than we are. In terms of baseball being, I think we've said a little bit of an old... There, there's a little bit of an old-school way of doing things, and things haven't maybe evolved the way that they should, and maybe that is hurting baseball. One of the first things I think about are Hall of Fame voters, and that whole process... And look, it's very hard to get into the, into the baseball Hall of Fame, as I think it should. In some sports I think it's a little, little too easy. However, I think there's such a level of tradition with that 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 actually might be hurting as well. But maybe not. So I want your take on... There's a couple subjects that are you know yeah you know, very much um, followed. And, and like, there, there's a lot of takes and people get emotional over it. But... The first one is the steroid era players and how we should look at them in terms of whether or not they should be in look, everyone has a different situation. But let's let's cover some of the big ones. I think the first place to start is should Barry Bonds be in the baseball hall of fame?
1: Absolutely. Okay. No question. Okay. Should I go?
0: Go. Okay. Give it to us.
1: Barry Bonds. There's, there's strong consensus on when he started using steroids, mm-hmm. which is 1999. He played 60 games, very short season, and he started using steroids to come back faster from his injuries. Mm-hmm. So let's just take his career pre-1999, 290 career average, over 400 home runs, and nearly 500 stolen bases. Right. But who cares right. what right. happened after that? Right. N L M V P. Let's say... Three MVPs. Three MVPs. Right, right, three MVPs. Right, right. Three MVPs. Um, let's say he just retired right then and there and but didn't become the most dominant baseball player in baseball history after that. Right. This is no question a Hall of Famer. I don't care what he does after the fact.
2: That resume alone.
1: That resume alone is unanimous. I mean, like, right. who do you elect? Barry Bonds... Pre nineteen ninety nine or Ken Griffey Jr. Like who's more of a slam dunk for you? Like,
2: based on the stats alone, it's kind of close. It's close. That's that's my point. It's It's close. close.
0: close. Right. And Ken Griffey Jr. Is he? He's was he unanimous? It was he. He got the most votes I think ever.
1: I don't think there have been that many unanimous. I think there's only one. Rivera. Yeah.
0: Rivera. Right. Right. Griffey was close. I think he was 98. He 90, was close. And Jeter percent.
1: had one guy who voted against him, right? Right, which yeah. is from Boston. Which is ridiculous. Which makes sense.
2: <laughs> uh, curious, on the subject of these steroid players, and we're going to go through a few more, would love to, and again, the, the, there's an, a real age difference between us, but would love to get your perspective on if those players had not been banned and those players had gotten into the Hall of Fame, give or take when they should have, do you think the trajectory of baseball would not have gone down and would have maybe continued ascending, right? So the steroid era is, more, is really described more as a, this was a, an odd enhancement, but we're not going to look at it as it crippled the game. We're going to support Bonds, and there's going to be two or three other players we're going to name. We're going to support their efforts to get into the Hall of Fame because they've just been such incredible people and players for the game does that take maybe my generation and maybe the one in between me and you and just maybe give it more inertia and momentum towards, no, baseball's great. Baseball's still great. And that summer between Sosa and McGuire and all of the things Mm. that were so good seemed to get so tainted quickly. Yeah.
1: I think you got a point. I will say when you first started talking, I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think, but you're right that the summer of, boy, was that ninety nine? I think so. 98 maybe, with ninety eight, maybe. Maguire and 98 Sosa. Ninety eight sounds like ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, Maguire and Sosa, which is one of the most exciting times. Unbelievable. I mean, I remember watching uh, the game where Maguire hit sixty two, and my dad looks at me and goes, "Remember this? You know, but right. It gives me chills thinking about
2: it because, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it was so un- i mean it was so unprecedented what both of these guys were doing at the same time every bar you know the narrative then from baseball journalists was like baseball's back right and i think that from the, the strike. Na- i think that the hmm. narrative changed a lot R- from the strike which the is n- 94, 94 which was right. 4 years right. late you know i mean right. it's, it was a late bounce back i right. guess you would say right um, but yeah i think there's something to like the narrative about a sport and baseball certainly struggles from a tough narrative nowadays, too. But I think it I think it hurt. I, I really do, because it's not fun to watch on TV anyway. I don't even love to watch baseball on TV. I don't. Right. If right. I don't. Right. then this, right.
2: there that's, is, Can you imagine? Right. That, that's a whole nother thing.
1: I think I like it more now. OK. Guess I'll let you know after the season if I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but being at a game in person is fun, regardless of the speed of the game and whatever for me. I mean. Uh, because very
2: often it's about who you're going with, too. That's what, baseball used to, that's what baseball affords you, is the opportunity to catch up with somebody while being engaged in the game. And I, don't, and I wonder if, the, you know, that, that'll continue, but instead of three hours and 20 minutes, it'll be two hours and 15 or 20 minutes, which I think will be actually, hopefully, it'll be great as an incentive to get people to come back to the, yeah. to the stadium. Though an
1: NFL game is longer,
2: right? S- so we can go into that a little bit later on, but an NFL game is longer than it's ever been, and the amount of people doing fantasy football is the highest it's ever been. <laughs> and the and the amount of people now gambling on pro football is the highest it's ever been. So you could really dip into certain buckets and say games are longer, need to figure that out, but the amount of money being wagered and the amount of people like eyeballs now because of fantasy are much greater. For sure.
0: I think the point of and and Stefan, I'm glad you tied this back in which is, look, it's all coming back to where baseball is today and we're kind of getting into the history of w- w- what has changed over time. And I think a big piece of it clearly is the steroid era, while it was super exciting, is, is it more that the baseball writers keep throwing it back in our faces almost? Is that is that part of what maybe is hurting the game a little as well? By being... Maybe a little too stubborn on the point for some players. Look, cheating is cheating, and look, nobody wants cheaters in the game. The, qu- the other question is, how many other players were doing certain things, and they just actually weren't even close to as good. It's almost like the Lance Armstrong thing, which look, I'm not, you know, I'm not condoning any of what he did either, but you know, Bonds and Clemens and McGuire and. A-, L- L- a rod, a rod, and uh, right. I'm not even gonna get into Palmer or whatever. <laughs> they were they were so good, right? So it just it obviously enhanced them a little bit. But how many other guys were possibly doing this and still were not great, right? Like that's the other part. It 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 is a very tough um, conversation. But I wonder if baseball's hurting themselves by continuously being um, too stubborn.
1: I think I think baseball is obviously hurting itself on multiple different levels, and the baseball writers are somewhat of a tangential topic from right. this. And my my answer would be absolutely the baseball writers could afford to be a little bit more open minded, right? For sure. But like I, I saw this super interesting factoid, which was. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. If a perennial Hall of Famer who's mm. already in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. admitted to using a performance-enhancing drug, what would your reaction be?
0: Take him out? Yeah, I, I don't think you can. You can't do it. Mike Schmidt did it. Right. You can't do it. Right. That's a great point. I,
2: and I think the layer on to that point, how much of a difference did it make? how do you how do you how do you calculate how do you calculate how much of a difference it made i I watched Mike Schmidt all the time I thought he was unbelievable and what are you going to tell me that he was five percent faster, four percent stronger He's in the Hall of Fame and you watch him for fourteen fifteen sixteen years
1: He's I mean every drug is different. I right. think he was a little more focused thanks to amphetamines right One could say he probably took less at bats off or less plays off but did his reaction More, time get right. faster because right. of it? I don't know. I guess I'd have to like dig up some study and see if your reaction time benefits from amphetamines or not. But right. th- it depends on the drug. For example, like HGH or anabolic steroids, the main reason why many of the guys, including McGuire, took them was to recover from an injury faster. It decreases your recovery time.
0: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. That, that that seems to be the baseline main reason why they all started. Yeah, how they, why they continued, and the doses and the frequency, obviously, is a very individual question for all of them.
1: And if you've ever hit a baseball at ninety miles an hour, you'll know that no matter how strong or fast you are, it's really hard to hit a baseball. For sure. I mean, Barry Bons, Barry Bonds is a good example. Even if you say, let's measure the impact of steroids on Barry Bonds. And let's assume that his wisdom, as he played more games as a giant, let's assume that his wisdom, his experience as a player, didn't impact anything, didn't make him a better hitter. Let's just assume that the strength is, is what did it. You know, he, he, he was, what, 20, 20% better, 25% better? But I don't, my point is, I don't buy that that's all it was with Bonds. It's confidence and it's experience and it's strength. Vision. And everything. Yeah. It, it is. And it's also, you know, it probably kept him out of the training room more often than otherwise. And that so I think just his sample size is a little bit bigger after steroids because he was healthy.
0: Right. Healthy is an important thing here, right? Where it's like they can actually play and be confident that they're going to, Keep playing, right? I think that's that, That's a whole that that's a whole another thing, which I didn't even really I, I understood in recovery, but actually being able to play, especially as you get into your mid thirties, so forth, and continue to just do your craft and not worry about every other thing. You once made a point to me, and, and you talked about this hitting a baseball, but as as a as someone who who has a keen eye for watching pitches and seeing the game differently. What was a, What's your opinion on Barry Bonds in the box, actually figuring out which pitches to hit?
1: Best hitter I've ever seen. Not right. Close. That's
0: that alone is I think enough to say he he's he's one of the greatest players ever. He should he should be in the Hall of
1: Fame. Didn't watch Ted Williams though.
2: Right. To be fair. Right. 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 But 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 just so we're clear, we're also talking about a player that most people hate. Right. So mm. while I respect your opinion on that he might be the greatest hitter ever the lack of support that he's received from the general baseball community you know rivals OJ So <laughs>
1: love that you brought that up do you think OJ's in the pro football hall of fame I know he is Okay <laughs> dang
2: 100 yeah, like ready is. for this And op- they're not pulling him out And how come no, no how come no one's made a motion it's so weird Nobody's pulling so out So strange
1: there, well, there is a rule that states that you can't be removed from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And right? I'm
2: sure lots of rules can be amended for, <laughs> mer, for, for people that are, con- that are uh, either accused of or convicted of or both.
0: Right. There are all these rules, which, which then delves into another player. I mean, the most, you know, this debate is endless with Pete Rose, mm. right? Which Put, all, him, in. Put every, him in. Every issue with him is post-playing. And I get there's a rule, and look, I don't condone it again. We don't know exactly what happened, but, I mean, the guy hit 4,200. He had 4,200 hits. Mm-hmm. It's like, like 4,200 hits. Everyone that's over 3,000 is in the Hall of Fame. He had
2: 4,200 hits. How is he not in, Alex?
1: I, the fact that he also bet on his own team.
2: Allegedly. Good for you. Right. Uh, I mean, that's putting your money where your mouth is.
1: <laughs> Good for you. I would I mean, he never bet against the team, correct? There very few times as a player where I would have taken <laughs> Vegas odds and said, "No, you know what? I think we got this today." <laughs> right. Totally.
2: <laughs> you <laughs> guys coach
1: You guys coach <laughs> a basketball team. You tell me, how many how many games would you bet on your own team with the spread?
2: Well, I mean, I would have lost today because I would have given more points. I was just
0: about to say that, 100%. <laughs> totally. I was thinking about what I was feeling at noon today. I was like, oh, I don't know. It would, no, no, when they put the other girl in. Yeah, I mean. yeah,
1: No, the the fact that I, I, I do believe knowing Pete Rose and observing his personality that he bet on his own team and he he's the kind of guy that would bet on himself. For sure. Any elite athlete would be the kind of person to bet on themselves. I mean, good for you. Uh, y- you know, like, I get the law. I get the letter of the law. Right. But the spirit of the law is this guy had 4,200 hits, and he was a fierce competitor and bet on his own team. Good for you. As a manager. Yeah. As a player, coach, I should say.
2: Right, right. But they have their rules, and they're, they're very steadfast to these rules. But how crazy is it, though, as we sit here and do this podcast on Sunday, March 12, 2023... Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, Pete Rose. I think, I mean, we can go on, right? Mark McGuire. These are, would you call them icons? Definitely. Right. So I just named five. So there's five icons whose memorabilia, whose jerseys, whose cards should be worth, you know, a fortune.
0: Oh, their memorabilia are in the Hall of Fame, by the way.
2: Right. Well, of course. There's well, a lot in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, though. yeah. Well, no, no, but so how how is it, though, that this community of owners and sports reporters isn't being revised, isn't being reviewed to say, hey, you know what? It is time to change some of these rules. It is time to change some of these, you know, narratives that have been going on now for 20 years.
1: It is, I mean, I... I'm not I'd probably get over my skis if I start talking about the Baseball Writers Association just because I'm not as familiar with the technicalities of it. But if I had a ballot, I know where I would go and it would be absolutely yes on assuming Rose was back. Yes. Assuming Bonds was back on the ballot. Yes. And Clemens and A-Rod would be in the next tier for me. Icons for sure, but I just haven't dug up enough info on them to sort of get a sense to how much steroids may have impacted their careers. I get the sense that Clemens would probably be a more more of a no brainer for me than A Rod would, uh, just given that how many years was he in Seattle before he went to Texas? Anything after Texas is kind of a question mark.
2: Right, right. right. Uh, I'm curious. So when so you were around fourteen, fifteen when the summer of Maguire and all that. So when you, when you heard that all these players were being accused of cheating, how did you internalize it? I mean, you're a pretty you know, impressionable athlete at the time. It's your favorite sport in the world. You know, what type of impact did it have on you? The, was your knee jerk? They, God, I can't believe they cheated. Or you know, did you have a different reaction?
1: It didn't impact my love for the game, for playing the game, obviously. And or for watching the game, for that matter. Like There was nothing better than watching an all-star game or a home run derby. And when you watch a home run derby, you kind of hope that some of those guys are on steroids because it makes it a little bit more exciting. For sure. Absolutely. Um, I and w- I just kind of chuckled at Rafael Palmero's I was life. at the
0: home run derby with Judge and um, what's his name on the Yankees? They, both Stanton. Had- Stanton, yeah, yeah. They both hit several 500-foot home runs. Yeah, I, I, I didn't give a shit if they were on steroids. Uh, and, 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 <laughs> and I
2: was at the Josh Hamilton one. Oh, my God. And I was honestly incredibly happy that he was healthy for that moment.
1: That was so cool. really was.
2: Amazing. But, but for you, though, when these accusations come out and they're talking about the greatest of the greats, like w- w- what did you think?
1: I mean, listen, I played baseball, and I have so much respect for anyone who's able to throw a ball 95 miles an hour, with command you know who's able to hit one of those pitches or a slider at 86 and you know hold off on a slider at 86 in the dirt with two strikes this is stuff that it doesn't matter how big or strong you are There, like there is so much skill in playing the game of baseball that yeah i mean it affects you a little bit just to say like okay i i don't want to take steroids because these guys are really getting reamed for it right and I had the chance to take steroids legally when I was younger and then illegally when I was older neither time did it right but y- that it didn't it just doesn't really affect you enough because you're such a fan of the game I was so immersed watching baseball and I didn't care who may have been on steroids or who may not have been on steroids when you watch Barry Bonds just pull up a random at bat of Barry Bonds and you watch him and you see how good of a how good plate discipline he had and how he punished pitcher's mistakes you're like my god I don't care how much you can bench that's
0: i think that is one of the more powerful things i've heard is is the aspect of the skill to be able to lay off you know the curveball or the slider at you know with two strikes i mean that's that is the skill of baseball right so. it is yeah, it is as a hitter.
1: It's snap judgments.
0: Right. Exactly. And you have to see it and you have to have the confidence to do it. So to transition to something that's a little interesting right now is the Savannah Bananas. Ooh, right? Good. So so I, so I wanted to throw that in because people seem to be really interested in this and I watched a game and my kids watched it and we all loved it and it was hysterical and it was really like entertaining. I'm out. Thanks I'm not, for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not thinking that Major League Baseball needs to go anywhere near that, mm. but it really isn't. What's your take on this whole situation and, and what maybe Major League Baseball can learn from them?
1: Well, it's some of the cultural comments that I made before about bat flips and walk-up songs and dancing on the field and all that kind of stuff that you see. Personality. Personality in the game. It's not a rule change. Right. right. Cool. I hope the MLB uses it as inspiration.
0: It's got to be relatable.
2: I think MLB should immediately form a partnership of sorts and start to figure out how to maybe get a Savannah Bananas team in every city. I mean, wouldn't that be great for the kids? Wouldn't that be great for families to draw them back in, charge less? Maybe they play first. Maybe they play after.
0: Or or, or have a Bananas team play play a major league team. Like every once in a while and just like to see how fun that <laughs> is. Glo- globe trotter it. Yeah. Make make yeah. it relatable. Yeah. Make, it, make it authentic.
1: I, that's a great idea, though. Like the minor league stadiums all around the world that when the team is traveling, there's no game there.
2: Right. I mean, that's I will, a no brainer. I will tell you that they came to West Palm and we were traveling. We were out of town. I was mm-hmm. so bummed. Mm-hmm. And I had showed my kids that eight-minute clip that, like, it's like the story of how they all got started. There was zero money, husband and wife, all that stuff. It's a story that resonates with everybody. It's a super fun experience. And everybody keeps on talking about it. It's all about the experience, the experience, right? You know, everybody wants an incredible experience. I mean, baseball is such an old, awesome sport that they're attempting to revive with these rule changes. They're attempting to, you know, try and, you know, catch up to some of these other major league sports that are, you know, that have already gotten there. I don't know. I think the Savannah bananas would definitely be a, a sort of a low-hanging fruit, <laughs> no pun intended, to uh, to to boost uh, you know audience interaction and, and interest.
1: I think that's right. I mean, I think that the the fundamental change is that you win an inning, and it doesn't matter how much you win an inning by. That's really intriguing, and that's completely breaking the fundamentals of baseball. And so, you know, on that point, I would say I wouldn't do it know, if I were Major League Baseball, I wouldn't do it because I have too much I have too much history to protect. That to me breaks the integrity of the game as it was when Ted Williams and Babe Ruth played. Um but, you know, a fan catching a foul ball is kind of honestly immaterial and funny. And it, is. it gets the fans engaged and like, It is. You know, top ten plays would be that much more exciting to watch on Sports Center. If the catch by the dad who's holding the baby with one hand and bare hands it with the other hand actually meant something That'd yeah. be, you know that that's kind of funny
0: it is it's great. I love the the side lying, uh interview oh my God they lie down and they spoon that was the funniest thing I've ever seen um, you made a good point baseball has to weave in keeping the integrity of the game while still evolving, and learning. Savannah Bananas, yeah, baseball's never going in that that full direction. There's a couple little things, possibly, that they could learn, right? You got to evolve. So I think we covered a lot in baseball. Is there anything else you guys think we should should hit on?
2: The only thing I was curious to get your opinion on, because we talked about sort of cheating in a vacuum with steroids and performance-enhancing drugs. What was your reaction and thoughts to the type of cheating that the Houston Astros... Were found guilty of, obviously having stolen a championship from my Yankees. It hurt a little bit extra, so I was curious to get your uh, reaction to that.
1: More appalling than the steroid scandal,
2: significantly though, right? Exactly.
1: Yes, significantly more. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And and probably more than Pete Rose too. I I agree
2: because
1: it because it was with a camera though. Right. Like, but if you're good, if you're a good savvy baseball player, you're stealing signs all day,
2: all the time.
1: Right. I mean, that's
2: right. That's part Part of the the gamesmanship, right? It's gamesmanship, gamesmanship, right?
1: Exactly. But using a camera to steal signs is ridiculous, and the way that they did it, banging on a trash can, just.
2: And the fact that that and the fact that people in leadership positions were overseeing it, it wasn't just the players, right? Manager, assistant manager, coach. So I was curious to see. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. To me, that was much more appalling than when I found out, you know, McGuire was taking some drug to make him hit, you know, five extra home runs.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm wondering who, like, now we got on this point on steroids and now we're talking about the Astro scandal. It just makes me think, what's the equivalent? What's the physical equivalent of knowing what pitch is coming? How, like, how much of an advantage do you have to have from steroids, from being bigger, faster, or stronger, to know that the guy is going to throw you a fastball up right. on this count. I mean, it, it's I th- a rhetorical question because it's
0: right. not so. close. But at that level, the margin of the margin is so small at that level that every little advantage I would have to believe makes a huge difference. Especially, like, I mean, if if you know what's coming in a, in a game that's so strategic like baseball, that that I would think, again, I, I don't have much, you know, actual baseball experience. That that would probably be more important than being a little bit stronger.
1: Yeah, there are very few pitchers that, the. Going back to Mariano Rivera. That you know what's coming and you still can't hit his cutter. There are very few pitchers in the game today. I mean, even a Cy Young winner like Alcantara or Verlander. Berlander. I mean, if you know he's going to ride that fastball up, yeah.
2: you're going to be ready.
1: You're going to be ready. You yeah, be ready. exactly. So that it takes
2: some of that fear away
1: from who it is. Yeah. That's next so. level
0: cheating for sure. That's interesting. The Astros pr- would probably argue. Yeah, but we still. Still fucking won this year, so.
2: <laughs> they did. Uh, Good for them. They yeah. did. I, I look, maybe,
0: th- maybe that was motivation. W-
2: with some of the players that I guess, you know, should have been suspended for life, depending on the way we view, right? Steroids, suspended for life, out of the Hall of Fame. So if Altuve and name the Correa, if they were a part of it, shouldn't they have been banned for life?
1: I mean, I think Cora definitely
2: should have been banned for life. Right. I mean, th- I cannot Beltran, believe. probably too. How are these two individuals back in yeah. baseball? yeah. It's, a good it's really, I mean, who's, <laughs> who's running the asylum? I don't know. <laughs> if,
1: I, don't, I don't think that the baseball, I don't think that the players themselves can be held accountable, but I think the coaches should and can.
2: Okay. I'll meet you in the middle there.
1: Cora is definitely...
2: Right. Bad, bad. He's a bad guy. That's a bad actor. He's a bad actor. Yeah. Right. Agree. It's not congruent.
0: That's, that's the thing that it, it's not, you know, it's not standardized in any way. I mean, I guess the NFL isn't either. Nothing's perfect, um but anyway, I think we touched on a lot that is you know things that we love about baseball, things that they could do better, things that they can draw upon I, alex I really we we both really appreciate your insights, really helpful. you brought up some really great points that on the spot made me think, wow, I'd never thought about that, but that you know we we appreciate and we we knew that you would uh you would come through with some of
2: these, these points. Can we ask for a World Series prediction?
0: Braves. And it's
1: not just because they're <laughs> my favorite high school. Or sorry, childhood team and high school team, for that matter. They're the most well-rounded team. They put it baseball. all together. Yeah, they do. And what they're doing with giving young guys more guaranteed money. We
2: could do a whole pot on that, by Love the way. that man love that five years 150 for everybody if
1: I were a GM for any other team I'd be telling my guys like why didn't we think of that
2: I I could not agree more as they started doing over the last 18 months I'm like this is really smart 21 22 23 year old guys getting locked up for four to six years like grab the prime and see how much you can win it is smart
1: yeah it's great
0: the last thing I wanted to hit on was you're not just a one-hit wonder Alex you are a football genius as well (laughs) I, I'm going to give you the opportunity to to plug in what you've been doing with uh, fantasy football for our our young listeners and and even for us to to use your uh, use you as an example to follow and help us out here.
1: Thanks for the plug. I've actually retired as yep. of last year, but Boo. I'm happy to talk about it anyway. Boo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So I finished as the seventh most accurate fantasy football expert on Fantasy Pros this year, which is the premier website for uh, saying whose advice you should take and whose advice you should not take. Um, But the way that I did it was a fund of funds model for all you finance geeks out there. So I just choose, I actually choose. Without the fees. Without the fees, which is why it works. It's huge. It's huge. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I choose four to six experts at any given position who um, are accurate enough and also disagree with each other enough to give you the best predicted accuracy. And so I was did it for two years. I was number eleven my first year and number seven my second year. And turns out that it didn't help with my fantasy football personal performance oh, at all, ah, and added a t- lot of stress to my life. To be fair, <laughs> although I'm more than happy to help. Uh, nephew Brennan.
2: Okay. Oh, that'd be great. You,
1: you know, like, we, for sure, he can have my contact information. Excellent. So you're done? Excellent. You're retired? Um, I've been, uh, yeah, I'm for retired. Now. I'm for retired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. A new phase in my life. Okay. So
2: sh- just just baseball?
1: I, well, I play fantasy baseball, too, but I've never been a fantasy baseball expert. Okay. F- publicly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do <laughs> rankings, I guess fair I should enough. say. Fair enough. I don't okay. fair do enough. rankings. Okay.
0: Right? Well, again... We, we really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, you even came live, which is like, wow. On Selection on, Sunday, by the way. Ooh.
2: Today is Selection Sunday for those of you out there who are like, I can't believe they're doing a baseball podcast on Selection Sunday.
0: Cousin Al is one heck of a guy, <laughs> and we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks again. Thank us. you.
1: All right.
2: All right. So for the dudes of Davey, Stephen Miller, Lonnie Greenberg, thanks so much, and we will see you sooner than later.
0: Be well. See you soon.